Welcome, welcome, welcome to Above Replacement Radio. I am your host, Chris Gianta. You know what Christy Mathewson wasn't worried about? S-I-E-R-A. When you're thinking about Pedro Siriaco, I mean, the only one that can compete is maybe uh, Hannes Wagner's 1908 season. Over there on the other side of the screen is Daniel Kern. Like, if we just clip together every time we've talked about him on other people's profiles, we've done a Mickey Cochran episode. I can't get past Rabbit Marinville. It's it's not necessarily Hall of Fame. It's not necessarily above average, but we can guarantee you we are better than just the standard replacement level college sophomore. And welcome to Above Replacement Radio. We're talking baseball kind of whenever. I'm your host, Christianta. Over there across from me is my co-host, uh, as you cannot see on YouTube, unfortunately, Daniel Curran. How you doing, Daniel? Chris, I'm doing great. It is a big day for the sabermetric community. We've been waiting for it, and the new F4 dropped today. Yeah, the you know, F War was uh, teasing teasing today. Instagram posts a wild four twenty one twenty two. Yeah, with a little uh, stat cast uh, watermark. Yeah, it's like the uh, the album cover, like with the you know like the tease of the album cover with the date. It's like you know, Fangraphs yeah. teasing that the whole time, and of course, no one really knew what it was. But I mean, wow, what a day! Uh, yeah, <laughs> quite the day, quite the day for us, and um, you know. Part of me does kind of hates to. Uh, part of me kind of hates that maybe this is someone's first uh, episode and f- first episode listening to us, and we're talking about a. You know, I it's significant to us, but it's maybe such not. a niche. Yeah, <laughs> or niche. I don't know exactly how to yeah. say it. I think either way works there. Yeah, but um, with something, yeah, so niche and. Uh, something that 99% of baseball fans aren't going to notice, but it matters a lot to us. <laughs> the funny thing is I noticed it before the article came out about it this morning. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, that's that's how you know it's, like, peak, like, yeah. what is going on. <laughs> like, I, I literally texted you. I was like, I'm pretty sure I texted you before the I found out. I was like, there have been some weird changes to F4. Like, I'm noticing some weird stuff right now. Um, or maybe I texted you and was like, I was noticing this, and then Fangraphs just dropped this article. I think that's what I said. Yeah, that might have been it. That might have <laughs> been it. And uh, yeah, of course, yeah, of course, you would f- <laughs> figure it out before the article came out. <laughs> but if you go to Fangraphs' um, website, their uh, first yeah. article there says a Fangraphs war fielding update. Um, a Fangraphs war fielding update, and the uh, the the photo just says um, site news, and basically the crux of it is um, they so or the background of it is Fangraphs has used ultimate zone rating the statistic ultimate zone rating to evaluate uh, defensive um, value basically, uh, which you know goes into obviously goes into wins above replacement for the website. Um, and now they are not valuing it as much. They're using some conto- components of ultimate zone rating, and but mostly using Statcast outs above average, um, which kind of measures player data more effectively, and using like uh, you like the the arm component of UZR. You have more details on it. Yeah, you know what's really funny about this is uh, on the. So like another name for outs above average is uh is fielding runs prevented, 
which is literally another way of saying defensive run saved. Yeah. <laughs> it's the same thing with different <laughs> words, but they're not the same stat at all. They have very different inputs. Um, but just to explain more, um, ultimate zone rating is a defensive metric that is primarily used to calculate the defensive portion of Fangraph's wins above replacement. And it consists of like range factors, outfield arm, double play conversions. So those are the inputs that go into it. Um, but for the range component of it, which is probably what makes up the biggest part of it, they switched to fan gra- or to, they switched the Statcast outs above average, which was uh, I believe that came out two and a half years ago or so, two years ago. I remember you and I were freshmen in college when that came out. And now we are about to be seniors. Yeah. Um, that was a very significant uh, addition to the sabermetric community. This is probably the biggest addition since that stat. And I would even say this one's probably bigger. Um, so I love this for two reasons. And one of them is because uh, a lot of people, like the thing that they criticize about Fangraph's position player wins above replacement determination is the fact that they use UZR as their defensive metric right. of choice. Uh, that gets rid of that. Like now, you know, I mean, it doesn't totally get rid of it, but a large part of it is now stat cast outs above average, and it's sort of a, a combination of both. Uh, the second reason I love it is because there's a lot of, you know, like a lot, there's a lot of discussion about defensive metrics and if they're efficient or not. And I think like, you know, there's the people that just say, there's a lot like they just don't do anything for me, which is understandable. But then like the you know the ultra nerds like us are like, well, there's defensive runs saved and there's outs above average. And I feel like now that we have this you know this universal this more universal thing, which has a combination of both, like we don't really have to have that discussion anymore. Yeah, it like is- I know that defensive runs saved isn't used, but like we can like we can really settle for something here. Yeah, it is. Um, it is pretty significant for sure. Because, yeah, there were a lot of, like, conflicting variables with certain players. Um, And I think in this article particularly, they they delve into those players. Um, And, yeah, it is great to have a universal thing. Yes. Because, yeah, there were some guys that had, like, you know, uh, negative 12 outs above average, but they would have, you know, uh, a UZR of, of, like, 8 or around there, like a positive eight with an outs above average of a negative 12. So, and I, I always kind of lean towards outs above average just because like it used more player data. Whereas I think UZR and like defensive run saved, it's more kind of in the judgment of the, um, of the person observing, um, as Mark Simon kind of pointed out for us, who I think we should probably contact. Yeah. Um, because he's, he is, uh, you know, a, a master of defensive val- of, of, of defensive I was say, evaluation. He's our, he's our defense correspondent. Yes, yes. And, uh, yeah, I'd love to get his opinion on it, even if he's not necessarily more involved with UZR or outs above average. But mm-hmm. it would be nice to get his opinion on it. Um, but, yeah, it's it's nice to get rid of that, of those conflicting variables. And, and I think there are some – there are certain players whose um, – whose I think value is more what's the word um I don't know if it's determined or more set in stone I would yeah. say um particularly uh you know in the article it says you know DD Gregorius was the most negatively affected yeah uh he Gregorius has um overall in the statcast era negative 74 outs above average 
But if you go to baseball reference, his D war is positive 4.3. So, and I think, you know, like baseball reference and fan graphs were using similar metrics there. Um, so I, so there was a conflict there and, uh, Marcus Simeon and Xander Bogarts were also particularly negative, negatively affected. And then with positive effects, uh, Nick Ahmed was the most positively affected. Um, His war almost went up by three times. <laughs> yeah, it did. Went from 4.8 to 11.6. Yeah, it's uh, unbelievable. Um, or I'm looking at the single season one right now. But yeah, Nick Ahmed, um, Javier Baez, Ender Inciarte, uh, Adam Engel, and Jonathan Scope all went up uh, four wins above replacement since 2016. And and yeah, so it's it's nice to have that. It's nice to have that set in stone, as you said, universal, more universal mm-hmm. thing, and it's gonna help us a lot more out. And I I wonder if it'll uh, affect like contract situations. That's at all. what I was. That's the next point I was going to get into because you mentioned one of the most negatively affected players was Xander Bogarts, who is a guy that is more than likely going to be a free agent next year. Um, I don't think it's going to make that much of a difference, if any, but mm-hmm. it could be an interesting talking point, especially, I think this would have been a lot more interesting if this all came out maybe like two months ago and like he had to go through, actually no, Xander wouldn't have had to go through arbitration, but like, you know, maybe arbitrators look at it differently if there's a player in there that was like Paul DeYoung was one of the most negatively effective players, affected players. He's probably someone who isn't an RBR. I'd have to check, but seems about right. Like, I wonder if it came out then that the Cardinals would have been like, no, actually, you're worth way less than we thought because of this. Um, and on the other hand, maybe, like, uh, Adam Engel from the White Sox, who was one of the most positively effective players, maybe he gets a raise. Um, one thing I'm really taking a look at here is um, I, I sen- I'm sensing a theme with the uh, the players on the largest changes list. Uh, I think every single person on this list or at least like 90% of the people on this list are either middle infielders or center fielders. Yeah. Like Nick Ahmed, shortstop. Ender Inciarte, center fielder. Javier Baez, shortstop. Adam Engel, center fielder, sometimes right fielder. Jonathan Scope, second baseman. Rugnet Odor, second baseman. Starlin Castro, second baseman. Francisco Lindor, shortstop. Tim Anderson, shortstop. Guillermo Heredia, center fielder. Jackie Bradley Jr., center fielder. Jake Marisnik, that cheater, center fielder. <laughs> that, um, that son <laughs> of a gun. <laughs> Zach, <laughs> Zach Cozart. Uh, you know, shortstop, Charlie Blackman, center fielder, at least he was. Kyle Schwarber is probably the one person. Or maybe, yeah, Kyle Schwarber, corner outfielder. Xander Bogart, shortstop. Justin Upton, corner outfielder. Marcus Simeon, shortstop. Uh, or I guess second baseman at parts of times. Paul DeYoung, shortstop. Didi Gregoria, shortstop. So, like, I think there's got to be some positional things that were updated as well. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Because, um, yeah, there are... Those positions are always... I was going to say, when you're talking range factors, like those are the three positions that really come up the most. Right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Like Those are where you're expected to have the most range is second base, shortstop, center field. Yeah. And maybe some corner outfield as well. Yeah, it's interesting to see the difference in both directions too because I, I figure mm-hmm. it would be more explicable if it went in one direction. Yeah. But the fact that like, you know, Nick Ahmed was that underappreciated with, F war and like DD Gregorius was that overappreciated. Um, yeah, it makes me wonder. I mean, the 
we've barely cra- we've still barely cracked into the world of defensive evaluation but um but yeah it this this gets us moving forward <laughs> um yeah i love how one of my favorite things nick ahmed and uh, well first of all if you look at the largest single season changes nick ahmed has like three of them uh his 2018 went from 1.7 wins above replacement to four um which is a dramatic dramatic increase it, it's a shame that he got an extension between then and now yeah because uh, possibly he could have got you could argue he could have gotten watch more him, watch him sue yeah right uh <laughs> but also his 2021 he went from a flat zero to 1.3 <laughs> it's like oh that was worth something angelton simmons went from negative 0.5 to 0.8 uh, last year oh, oh look at yeah. him go Andrew um, and simmons <laughs> getting the respect he deserves yeah um yeah, I love how I love I I really can't believe we just did a whole segment on that. Like that was a legit segment. <laughs> I mean, I if anyone's gonna do it, right? Yeah, I mean, I we might have Nick Ahmed had thirty five outs above average in twenty eighteen. <laughs> no, <laughs> that's <laughs> that's insane. <laughs> like outs above average has only been around for five years. That's probably among the best seasons of all time if it were to have existed from the beginning of time. Like, maybe Ozzie Smith had, like, 36 one year. Yeah. But 35, like, you have to understand how ridiculous that is. Yeah, usually the leader is around 20. Yeah. He had had 35. That must have been adjusted, like, after that. But, yeah, overall. That's so insane, though. Overall, he has 103 in six years i mean like you know 2020 is one of those years so more like five and a half Uh um so that that's yeah (laughs) so it makes sense that there is such a difference where like nick you know they had nick uh, you know fangraphs had nick out met as a great fielder but Mm -hmm. Statcast had him as like an unbelievable once in a generation fielder yep so (laughs) Works out for Nick Ahmed. Shout out to Nick Ahmed. Nice guy. Absolutely. Dan- Daniel met him once. I did meet him once. Yeah. Yukon uh, <laughs> Yukon alum and Western Mass mm-hmm. native. Uh, uh, speaking of friends of the program, Tristan Casas hit a grand slam tonight in AAA. Look at him go. Yeah. And Dead uh, center, too. And uh, Matt Brash had a no-hitter going into the sixth in his yes, last he did. start. So yeah, and Connor Wong had a game win. Yeah. Go ahead, sack fly. Facts, dude. All of our friends are just popping off right now. Yeah. Yes, yes. <laughs> Nick Ahmed is retroactively popping off. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It took it took a while, but yeah. <laughs> when he had that season, he was like, "Just you guys wait. <laughs> just wait." <laughs> oh, I had one point seven F four. Yeah. Just be patient. <laughs> One day it'll be a generational season. It's like Nick, your season, your season ended. It's not going to go up. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Imagine if I did an F four league in 2018 and I had Nick Ahmed. It's like, hey, let's let's recount. You, lo- you lost by 2.3. <laughs> it's like, hey, let's recount here. <laughs> let's run that shit back. Thank, thankfully we're going. Thankfully we're going. Uh. In 2020, yeah, thankfully the Springfield League is, is yeah. in 2022. Well, so that's how I noticed it earlier. I was updating the F4 League, and I remember it was like, I was like, huh, so Byron Buxton didn't play yesterday, and he went up by point three. <laughs> like, I was like, I was like, they must have, like, I was like, um, I said that they must have, 
some input that they only put in like every few weeks because it takes a while to track. And then I saw the article. I was like, it all makes sense. <laughs> okay, I'm not. I'm not going crazy. I'm not relying on a stat like this that randomly decides that players that don't play are really good. <laughs> uh, so so yeah, that's that's our little bit little segment of nerd news. Yes, um, very important nerd news. Very important. I like, mean, probably the biggest nerd news of the year. Yeah, and for for reference, like. Uh, so I believe from 2019 to 2021, Marcus Simeon had the highest position player F war, and now he's down to fourth. Yep. Um, because Fangraphs really, you know, pretty overvalued his uh, previously overvalued his defense a good amount. Oh, didn't uh, didn't Vladimir Guerrero Jr. have the second highest F war last year at like 6.6? I'm pretty sure he did. Um, now or before? In 2021, sorry. But like uh. Like before, um, I'm pretty sure it went Trey Turner six point seven, Juan Soto and Vlad at six point six. Yeah, I think that would make sense because Vlad's at eleventh in 2021 now. Oh wow! Yeah, it first base being a first baseman probably hurts him because defensive like uh, like positional rankings like do really affect it. Um, but the rankings for 2021 now are Fernando Tatis Jr. at seven point three, Juan Soto at six point eight, Trey Turner at six point eight, Brian Reynolds moving up to fourth at six point five. Um. Oh, you know who's gonna hate that? Who? Bob Nutting. <laughs> he is going to hate that because now he's get, like Brian Reynolds' worth just skyrocketed up. <laughs> like four, like uh, fourth most valuable player by F four in the National League and in Major League Baseball. Right. Right. Uh. That's, yeah. That's that's crazy. So um. So yeah. Cedric Mullins was tied for the most valuable player in the American League. <laughs> uh, so so Vladdy Jr. last year had negative three outs above average. Brian Reynolds had ten. Yeah, ten, that'll, that'll which is a it. lot. I'm also glad that we're not going entirely outs above average. Like someone made a a spreadsheet of what OA war would have looked like, and like I wasn't a big fan of the ratings. This is a good middle ground, I think. Yes, yes, because yeah, what one of the flaws in outs above average is uh, it doesn't use the arm as well like so like someone like um hunter renfro who we saw in our backyard you know proverbial backyard with the red sox last year you know he had like i think negative outs above average but he was you know he was much more valuable defensively than that because he was able to get outs on the bases but they only really factored like catch rate or like expected catch percentage versus yeah um like actual catch percentage but it didn't factor the arm uh you know the combination the combination should work yeah brian reynolds had 10 who else um, uh hunter dozier had minus point had minus one like full oh wow yeah um, tough here. i wonder if chris davis's 2018 went down further that would be funny <laughs> he, um, i mean what was his outs above average that year do you think you can check that oh yeah for sure uh i gotta go back to savant Chris. Side note: Mookie Betts now at a ten point six win season in twenty eighteen. Mike Trout had a nine point nine. Ooh. I think yeah. I think Betts went up. I think he was at ten point four before that. Something like that. Ooh. Ooh. Um. What was what was Chris Davis's outs above, outs above average? Um. Let's load in. Okay. Because I have his twenty eighteen F four pulled up. 
Oh, just, yeah, just we wait here. The suspense <laughs> is killing me. Yeah. Um, worth noting, uh, he had the lowest F4 in baseball among the 140 qualifiers by a full run. Oh, uh, that's By weird. a full win. 2018, uh, positive two. Okay. <laughs> so his, his F4, I don't know what it was before, but let's just say it went up. Okay. Went up to negative 2.7. Oh, look at him. Yeah. Yeah. I know on B-War it was like ne- negative three or more. Or I think it actually was less. negative three beforehand because I remember doing a stat about like he had like the worst F-War in a season since some guy in like the 40s. Yeah. Jim Levy. <laughs> yep. I, the, I remember the name. I don't know why Browns? I said some guy. Yep. Might have been the 33 of Browns. It was the 33. It absolutely was. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Only on ARR can one can one guy make a reference to a guy in the 30s and the other guy picks up on it completely. Is like, oh, yeah, no, Jim Levy, that was the 33 <laughs> St. Louis Browns. We, we are spiraling. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> let me just, yeah. He had a negative four win season in uh, – <laughs> Uh, 567 plate appearances. He slashed 195, 237, 240 for a 23 weighted runs created plus. Had a 0.5 defensive runs above average. Uh, yeah, that's a that's a tough year for for Jim Levy. Yeah, that would absolutely be the 1933 St. Louis Browns. <laughs> I'm looking at them now. <laughs> 24 OPS plus. Um, yeah, yeah. The, the team. I mean, it wasn't. As bad as I thought they would be. How, Fifty-five how, and ninety-six and two. Eh, okay, let me check their like their team stats. Seventy-seven OPS plus and ninety-six ERA plus. So the pitching wasn't yeah wasn't god awful. Uh, um, well, I mean, when you have a guy like Jim Levy in your offense getting five hundred sixty <laughs> plate appearances, then yeah, your your offense probably isn't that good. Yeah, yeah. you probably you definitely don't have any depth. Yeah, um, definitely not. <laughs> Yeah, they uh that team slashed 253 362 360. So that'd be what like a uh like a 362 360. Yeah, that'd be so, a 680 OPS, 682. Um, um which would make for a 76 weighted runs created plus. Um in oh, How many games did you say they played? Wait, what was the OBP again? Uh 322. 322 plus 360. 360. And that was in, like, a very Actually, that'd be seven. That'd be 7. 782, right? No, no, no. No? No, it would be 682. Okay. Just 3 plus 3. Yeah. Um, right. But, uh, and that was in a very offensive era. Yes. In the early 30s. Um, How many games did you say they played? Uh, They played 55 plus 153. Do you want to guess their uh, total F4 for the season? Position player F four. Yeah. Um. I would guess. Uh, Keep in mind, it does accumulate. Two. Two point one. <laughs> two point one. Uh, yeah. <laughs> for for perspective, the Yankees led the majors with thirty five point four. The Saint, that like the Yankees probably had a better day at some point. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. than the St. Louis Browns had in the season. They did have 72 stolen bases, which was second to the Yankees. Actually, no, it was third, fourth. It was fourth out of 16 teams. So I guess they had that going for them. Yeah, I guess. Also, Kinda. a 360 slugging was not, like, the worst. Odd. Very odd. But, uh, yeah, shout out to the 1933 Browns and Jim you know, Levy. There were teams with, like, 
lower OBPs and slugging percentages, but the Browns had the lowest weighted runs created plus. Must have been a park factor thing. I was going to say, they must have played in a very hitter-friendly. They probably played in, like, uh, like a Little League field. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I wonder how Jim Levy's uh, career would have been affected by StatCast. Yeah. We'll, we'll never know, we unfortunately. Never know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. So, that's the that's the uh, stat. It's the Fangraphs wins above replacement update. <laughs> yes. Um, so. <laughs> I love how, like. <laughs> I don't even the, know. Like we waited so long for baseball, like during the <laughs> lockout in the off season, and once like we get to the season, we're twenty minutes into an episode talking about Jim Levy's nineteen thirty three season. Like this is what we should do during the off season. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I don't know. It's the beginning of the year, and yeah. there's not, there haven't been any. There's major... not. There's not anything to like really weigh into. Yeah. Yeah. Except we're going to do some of that anyway on this next segment. Yeah, we're doing a little buy or sell. I know it's the uh, the most stereotypical thing you can do in sports radio, but we're going to do it because there's not too much there's not too much going on yet so far. Not no one no one partic- no one particularly like going on a surprising streak. Um, and if there's a particular player doing well, we'll highlight them on players to watch anyway, or, or players to highlight yeah. anyway, rather. Um, so, you know, not too much to go into. So we'll do a little buy or sell. Yeah, we will. Um, uh, I guess, I guess I'll start with my first, um, buy or sell. And I, I guess I'll give some stats for reference, um, for what he's been doing so far. So this guy um, has gotten out to a crazy hot start. Um, he's gotten MVP votes a lot in the past, but uh, hasn't gotten them in uh, 2020 or 2021. Um, he's hitting 368. He's leading the league in slugging, uh, has five home runs, and this is heading into uh, Thursday. And a thirteen thirty seven OPS. I think I know who you're talking about. So buy or sell. Nolan Arenado will finish top five in the MVP MVP voting. Top five. Um, I feel like him finishing top five. I know that this is such an outdated mindset, and it's so it's one that the writers have kind of gotten away from. But I do feel like it would come back in this scenario. I feel like Nolan Arenado finishing top five in National League MVP voting would be synonymous with the Cardinals winning the division. Yeah. Um I just think it makes a lot of sense. Uh you know, it doesn't have to be like that. Like we've seen plenty of instances where guys that don't make the playoffs or don't win their divisions win MVP or yeah. or finish top 5 whatever. Um but I feel like you know, he came he came to that team with the expectation of he's the piece that they need to make this team great. And you know, they didn't win the division last year and he had a okay-ish season but not exactly a Nolan Arnato season, but right now uh, it seems to be legit. I mean, he he leads. I believe he leads all position players in F four right now. Um, right now, as in like updated to tonight because he gained point one tonight. Yeah. Uh, the positional changes uh, benefited him, which is definitely very encouraging. Um, he's always been a pretty good outs above average guy. If yeah, I'm not yeah, mistaken. yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I'm gonna say I'm gonna buy that. Nice. Yeah, I'm gonna buy it. Nice. I, I think. Like I said, the positional changes have, have benefited him. Uh, you know, sophomore season in St. Louis, I think it's going to be a little kinder to him. Um, 
Yeah, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna buy it. Nolan Arnato, top five in the MVP voting. Why not? Right. Yeah. 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 I mean, he's had, he's really showed out, um, mm-hmm. this year. Like, you know, he he had a good year last year, but not a great year. Yeah. And we were used to more great years. Mm-hmm. Um, what is your buy yourself? My first one. Uh, this is a very, uh, I know this is a very easy talking point right now. It's kind of a very stereotypical. Uh, one to go with. It's 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 a talking why, point. Why that not? We, it's, it's it's definitely one that we would make fun of. But yeah, uh, let's just talk about it. We have buy or sell. We have already seen Garrett Cole's best season in a Yankee uniform. Hmm, that is a good question. I mean, yeah. Uh, he he was top five Cy Young. He was both second seasons. last year. Yes, second last year. Uh, and for context, this he had five walks in one and two thirds innings pitched in his last outing. In three uh, starts, he has a 6.35 ERA and a 6.52 FIP in 11 and a third innings pitched. Nine and a half strikeouts per nine, which would be the lowest he's had since he was in Pittsburgh. Uh, 5.6 walks per nine, 2.4 home runs per nine. Yeah, um, and I was looking at. Um some stats from last year before the season when I was thinking about like awards and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and I want to just check again to sure. give reference of why I might give an answer. Just going to uh, game logs 2021. Uh, it's basically a stats from the the memo last year. And I don't mean to be the guy that's like, you know, stere- you know, stereotypical yes. guy of like, you know, you needed a spider tack. But, you know, last year, after the memo, he had a 4.15 ERA, a 3.66 FIP. Which, like, 3.66 FIP, that's pretty good. How much was that impacted by home runs? Um, 19 home runs in uh, 110. It should show home runs per nine, I think. Um, if you, like, scroll to the right. Hmm. Maybe it doesn't. Does it do that? Um. I don't think. Okay. I don't think it does. Still. I can just nineteen times nine divided by one ten point six 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 one point five home runs per nine. Not great. Not great. Uh. So, so yeah, Garrett Cole, when the memo came out, from when the memo came out on that they were gonna, uh, um, crack down. Uh, you know, when the new rules, when the new enforcement came out, he had a four one five ERA and a three six six FIP. Um, and you know, 2020, you could say 2020 was a very good year for him. 2021 was a very good year for him. And he's heading into his age 31 season. Um, he has seven years left on that deal, including this one. Yeah. Uh, I mean, like, yeah, I'll say, yeah, I'll say we've seen his best season in a Yankees uniform. Um, you know, I don't think he'll be bad, but like, especially FIP wise, like I was gonna say, a sub three FIP, a sub three FIP is is gonna be hard to repeat. Um, maybe he'll have a a, a lower ERA some years, um, just based on how the ball bounces for him. But yeah, I don't know if he'll be able to match a, th- a sub three FIP, especially with like, you know, it, it is stereotypical to say that. You know the the um the sticky stuff, lack of sticky stuff affected baseball a lot. It it didn't affect it as much as we thought, but like Garrett Cole was one of the guys where it was like, 
you know, 300 RPM difference on his fastball, like 400 on his breaking stuff. Mm -hmm. So, you know, clearly there was a little bit of an effect and he's only getting older. And I think being away from Houston where analytics are more, I think, um, are more, are more present. Um, and the, you know, the analytics department is more present in that organization, you know, at least from an outside perspective, um, I think that might affect him a little, a little poorly. So, so yeah, I think I'll say, yeah, he's he's had his best year. Sure, in I think uniform. I think if we're going to, you know, go the the spider tack route, like if if there's a time in the major league baseball season where you're really going to be affected by not having these substances, it would be April. Exactly, and you know, like we've never seen Garrett Cole without uh, without these substances in the month of April before. Um, because, you know, the memo went out in June last year when it was already warm out and, you know, you kind of just went from there. Um, I, I don't remember what the temperature was for the wild card game, but he obviously had a rough outing in that one as well. And like, I would say, like, I think, I mean, don't get me wrong. Garrett Cole is not going to finish the year with a 652 FIP yeah, no. or anywhere close to that. It'll probably be in the, it'll probably be in the mid threes. If we're being honest, like it's still Garrett Cole. Um, but I think. April Garrett Cole might be a struggle every single year from now on. Yeah, it it very well could be for sure. Um, yeah, like uh, it it might be, and it's just, and also you know it's it's just hard it's hard to pitch in the AL East, mm-hmm. um, especially right now. Like three of your divisional opponents are very good. Yeah, exactly, exactly, and uh, and you know, I'm, it's it's not to really poo-poo Garrett Cole. I mean, he had a great, he had a, he had a very good le- year last year. Yeah. Um, and if that's your best year, maybe it's not like a, th- maybe that's not fulfilling a $300 million deal, but it's still, you know, it's a very good, yeah. it's a sign of a very good pitcher. Um, but yeah, uh, you know, I'll, I'll go ahead and say it. We'll find out in, uh, seven years, seven years. Yeah. It'd be very funny if like we get to 2028 and it's like, Okay, yeah, it looks like 2021 is the best season we saw. Like, looks like we were right on this one. And then nice. somehow at, in his ninth year, he just turns in, like, <laughs> like one of the greatest seasons. He pulls out, like, a, a Bob Gibson 1968 out of nowhere. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know, he pulls a, a Tim Keefe 1880. Yeah. Um, so my second buy or sell, um, it's about – a team that uh, ha- has the worst record in baseball oh. right now. <laughs> oh, <are we> gonna... <laughs> go go ahead. Uh, buy or sell the Reds will finish the worst team in all of baseball. Uh, I will happily buy that. Alternatively, uh, my third buy or sell is the Reds are going to lose 115 games. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, they are two and eleven right now. Um, like they've already gotten in some controversy with the owners like threatening to move or whatever. No, it wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't threatening. I'm sorry. It wasn't threatening to move. It was like they were chanting, sell the team at like the team rally on opening day. He was like, where are you guys going to (laughs) go? Like if we sell the team, someone else is going to move it somewhere. Like you guys should be thankful that you have me or some stupid stuff like that. Oh Um, my God. Uh, anyway, to answer your question, because you asked first, I will buy that the Reds are going to finish with the worst record in the league, um, because it's only a matter of time until Tyler Malley is out. It's only a matter of time until Luis Castillo is out, and anyone that has 
any substance of a pretty good season to this point is probably on their way out as well. Like, I don't really think, like, I don't know who is untouchable on the Reds right now other than maybe Joey Votto. But even still, like, at this point, I'm like, you know what? Like, put Joey Votto out of his misery yeah. and put him on another team. It's so sad that we've come to that point because this is a team that very really could have competed this year. Um, but you look up and down this roster, like, maybe Tyler Stevenson, because he's young, could be untouchable. Jonathan India, same thing. But, like, Tommy Pham, like, Aristides Aquino, even Nick Senzel at this point. Like, if these guys are having good seasons in July, like, why would they still be on the team? Yeah, that's a very good point. Um, um, like, I'm just looking up and down this team, man. These guys are good. I mean, okay, Hunter Green's untouchable. I will yeah, give you that yeah, one 110%. Yeah. That's the best guy on this team right now, but he can only help you every fifth day. That's true. Um, that's that's the most untouchable player on the team. Uh, but, I mean, like, you look up and down at who's starting games for this team outside of Mali. Like, Vladimir Gutierrez, like, he's okay-ish. He got rookie of the year votes. Yeah, he got <laughs> from Cincinnati writers. Um uh, Rivers, I don't know. I don't know how to pronounce his name. Is it River Rivere San Martin? Uh, it's Raver. Okay, Raver San Martin. Uh, like he's struggling. Green, you know, he's given up a lot of home runs, but which is wild. I don't know how the hell anyone hits a home run off him. Yeah, they just close their eyes and <laughs> yeah. hope for the best. Um, Nicoladolo has, you know, he's. The 12 strikeouts per nine in nine innings is encouraging. Obviously, also three home runs and five walks, but I think, you know, he's only 24. Like, that's something that could change. Um, but, like, I look up and down this roster, and all I look at is you're probably gone in July if you're doing well. Um, so, yeah, this team will, in all likelihood. Does the draft lottery start next year? Um, I forget. Because I, there is a draft lottery. Oh, wow. And, like... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it would be I really. I mean, it would be it would be poetic justice if this team loses 115 games, yeah. and they don't get the number one draft pick. Which not that it really matters in baseball. Like it probably matters the least in baseball among every every one of the four major sports. Mm-hmm. Um, because it is the the major league baseball draft is the biggest crapshoot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yes, I do think the Reds will finish. To give a long answer to a short question, yes. Um, so that leads to your buy or sell question about the Reds. Um, I was a little more aggressive. 115 games. Yeah. 115 games is aggressive. Uh, given like the last team to do that was the 2018 Orioles. No, the 2019 Tigers. Yes. Oh my God. Yeah. And the 2019 Tigers, I remember had the worst. I think they lost 119. No, I think it was, I think it was, uh, I think it was 47 on 115. Oh yeah. Maybe that was the 03. Yeah, maybe. And I remember they had the lowest position player F war since the ninety eight twins. Yep. So it had been Yeah, okay, so the O three Tigers finished forty three and one nineteen. It had been over two decades since the a lineup was that Tigers. bad. I think it was forty seven and hundred fifteen. Um uh, one fourteen. <laughs> oh, forty seven and one fourteen. They must have not played a game. Yeah. Let's just say they would have lost that one. It's yeah, I, I imagine yeah. <laughs> it would make sense. Why, why not? Um, Yeah, 115. I'm not going to say 115. I don't think they'll reach that because okay. I just see a lot of underperformance with the lineup. Uh, Joey Votto. Um, I know Mike Moustakis just went on the IL, but like he's also underperforming. 
and just gen- generally like I didn't expect them to be like I don't know where they are in like Weighted Runs Created Plus right now, but I imagine it's like bottom three. I would imagine they're like bottom three in Babip. Yeah, and so like I don't think that'll keep going, and therefore they'll be able to win more than forty-seven games. <laughs> you know, I don't think they'll win a lot of games. Yeah, but uh, I think yeah, I think they'll win more than because. What I'm thinking about right now is like the Diamondbacks won 52 last year, and the mm-hmm. Orioles also won 52 last year. So and the Diamondbacks losing that many was like generally generationally bad luck. Yes, yes. Um, uh, the Reds and weighted runs created plus. Oh wow, they're at 49. <laughs> yeah, no, that's not continuing. They have a 232 BABIP, which actually isn't the worst in the league. The Diamondbacks have a 213, which is also legendarily bad. Oh, yeah, Cincinnati's um, dead last, and Wade Runs created plus wow, at 49. by a mile, too. The Diamondbacks are at 67, and they're second last. They're also, they also have the worst F4 by a full run plus. Yeah. Full win plus, rather. Yeah, so, like, they, you know, they did lose Castellanos and Winker, um, but, you know, they still have... Joey Votto, Jonathan India, Mike Moustakis, uh, who's coming back. Um, you know, Tyler Stevenson. Um, Akin- pretty mu- Aquino, dude, he's been terrible. Yeah, he's... he's <laughs> I just remember... He, it, it's like, it's all about he's, first impressions. I was going to say, it's still, he's still in August 2019 form, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but So, you know, I think the run production will be better. Um I would buy maybe that yeah they could be the worst team in baseball but they'll they'll have more than or they'll have less than 115 losses which okay. is pretty low bar <laughs> you know I'm still not optimistic about them uh all right I guess you can go again then <laughs> so my third buy or sell um it's about a guy who peripherally has been fantastic also with run prevention he's been very good um, but peripherally fantastic, uh, as of today, I believe if, yeah, I think it's updated, has a 0.72 FIP, 22 strikeouts, no walks, no home runs in, I think 18 and two thirds innings pitched. Uh, today he, yeah, I know you're talking about when <laughs> eight plus innings, one run allowed, eight strikeouts, no walks. Uh, Kevin Gosman will, so buy or sell Kevin Gosman will be a Cy Young finalist. Cy Young finalist. So, uh, I mean, when you look up and down the American League right now, you have uh, some of the best pitchers in the AL. I mean, most of the best pitchers have just been in the NL. Um, yeah. Yeah. Currently. I mean, we had Dylan Cease winning Cy Young before the we year did have started. Dylan Cease, and he, he hasn't he hasn't broken his promise. Um, let me look at. Just who do we have in the National League? Or in the American League, sorry. Uh, Kevin Gosman does lead the American League uh, in pitcher F4. Uh, his biggest competition, it seems, right now is like Shane Bieber. Yeah. Um, Maybe Shohei Otani. Yeah, possibly. Imagine. Like, I mean, he does have 16.33 strikeouts per nine. That's absurd. Um <sighs> Like, I, I, I already bought the other two, so I want to... I was thinking, like, maybe I'll make a case to sell, but, like, I... I, maybe, I, find I it very, maybe I gave it... Maybe I put I've, one on the tee too much. I was going to say, I, I find it hard to believe that he... At this point, that he can't be a Cy Young finalist. Like, he's doing legitimately everything right, uh, except for the balls in play that he's giving up. But, 
Like, well, I mean, what's his expected ERA? Like, what are the batted balls he's given up? Because he was a 4-12 batted up against even after his great start today against the Red Sox. Um, Gosman. Oh, my God, the Mariners blew a 5 nothing lead. Wow. Um, ch- 100th percentile chase rate. Wow. Uh, I guess it was 92nd percentile last year, but he's given up a lot of hard contact. Um, his his exit velocity against is 91.9 miles per hour. Launch angle is 11.3, which is around where it was last year. Um, the strikeouts and the walks are great. Um, the BABIP has been bad, but, you know, it, I mean, obviously it hasn't been deserving of a 412 BABIP against, but it's not like he's, you know, he's just given up, like, soft hits all the time. Yeah. Like, a lot of the hits that are falling are genuine hits. Oh, my um, God. Uh, heading into today, his line drive rate against is 48.4%. Yeah. Um, so, but still, it's understandable why some of those are falling for hits. Yeah. By the end of the year, is he a Cy Young finalist? I mean, who's, who's third in the Cy Young last year? It was Ray Cole and I, I forget, I, I forget who. I'm drawing a blank as well. I'm going to look it up real quick. Cause it, like no one was voting for the third guy. Yeah. No. I mean, uh, was Evaldi finished fourth? Yeah, was it, was, it like it wasn't Evaldi, Montas or something like that? No, it couldn't have been Montas. Um, it was oh, it was Lance Lynn, who was yeah. hurt. Um, yeah, it definitely doesn't help that he's hurt for sure. Yeah, Giolito's hurt, I think. Right? <sighs> I'm gonna buy it. Yeah, why yeah, not? Yeah. yeah, finalist. Fair enough. I mean, like that. Like obviously, a 48% line drive weight is not sustainable at all. Um, I don't know what it's at right now after his start today, but yeah, no, I will, I will say that, yeah, he's going to be a finalist. Right. Yeah. Very understandable. I feel like that one might've been the easiest one (laughs) to, Mm -hmm. to, to buy on. Um, all right. Last buy or sell of the, of the evening. Yes. I still have another one because I, I went one, two, three, two, um, this one is also about a starting pitcher that has been performing very well. Um, buy or sell? Carlos Rodon is currently a top five starter in the league. Hmm. Uh, for reference, this season he has pitched 17 innings. Uh, he has 15.35 strikeouts per nine, 3.18 walks per nine, zero home runs, a 1.06 ERA, 0.9 FIP. Uh, if you look at his game logs, they're just the most beautiful thing ever. <laughs> I'm going to pull it up real quick because his game logs are just magnificent. Um, like, start for start, I don't think anyone in the majors has been better. Like, I know Kevin Gosman does his better peripherals, but those you know those line drives are happening. Um, but Rodon, like, is probably all around the best starting pitcher of this year so far. Uh <laughs> I mean, let me just go into this real quick. Um, obviously, it's a matter of if he stays healthy, but that's not really the question. Uh, first start, five innings, three hits, one earned run, two walks, 12 strikeouts. Second start, seven innings pitched, two hits, one earned run, two walks, nine strikeouts. And the third, probably the weakest outing he had, five innings pitched, three hits, no earned runs, two walks, eight strikeouts. Which is still uh, average. It's, he has an average game score of seventy, uh, which is fantastic. Top five starter in baseball right now. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, that's a tough question. I mean, by right now, does that mean like 
Does that mean next start? Does that mean for the rest of the season? I'd say just if you were to make a starting pitcher power ranking right now, like not of this year alone because obviously top five is not. Like, yeah. Like right now, like assuming like Jacob DeGrom can also be considered. Oh, with DeGrom. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, well, like, yeah, I mean, you have like Burns and DeGrom are up there. Wheeler, too. Although, like, yeah, none of the guys, <clears throat> none of the Cy Young finalists from last year are really um, doing too hot this year, outside of, like, Scherzer, who yeah. finished third. Um, but, but, yeah, I'm, I should look at the pitcher F4 leaders right now. Because, like, there are some guys who I would have been, like, definitely above mm-hmm. Rodon, but guys who are, like, kind of underperforming, you know, and they're two or three starts so far this year. Um, so, yeah, I mean, like, I might have Rodon above, like, a guy like Robbie Ray right now. Um, I'll have Scherzer above him. Um, him and Logan Webb are, like, pretty tight, um, you know, on the same team also, but, like, you know, tight in contention, Brandon Woodruff is up there. I would, huh? It's a tough question, but like it's hard to deny how dominant. Yes, he's been in the in these three starts. Like and, it's been unbelievably consistent too. And yeah, exactly. And we know what San Francisco can do to have been able to do to guys mm-hmm. um, over the past you know three four years. Huh? It it's tough. It's tough. Um, I would, I would still sell, I'd give it like, okay. you know, maybe three or four more starts before I, but he's on the verge, but before I'd really consider, but yeah, like, you know, a, uh, I should look at the percentages here. Um, a 44.6% strikeout rate is, you know, it's pretty eye popping, mm-hmm. you know, a 35.4% K minus walk ratio or K minus walk percentage. Yeah. That's pretty eye popping. Um, and yeah, if he keeps it up for three, four more starts, I'll, I'll I think I, I might have him up there. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. But so I sold in the last two. Did I, what was the first one? Uh, Garrett Cole's best season. Oh yeah. Bought on that. Okay. So, you so know. we have four buys and two sells in total. All right. So we we got that yeah. decent profit margin. Mm-hmm. Um. Anyway, all right. So now, uh, we go on to the part we've most prepared for. Uh, players to highlight, whether they're doing good or bad right now, and we'll start with uh, players or subjects that have been doing very well as of late with our April twenty two, twenty twenty two edition of. Who do you got for us today? So, Chris, this is one of your guys. I don't know if – I can't remember if you put him down this year, but I know you had him as a player to watch in the past. Uh, it is Logan Gilbert. Oh, yeah, I had him twice. I had you him, did have him this year. I had him before – yeah, I had him before he ever made an MLB start and he you never pitched year. that year. Well, now <laughs> I feel bad. <laughs> but No, uh, I, I appreciate it. Yeah. In 16 and two-thirds innings pitched, Logan Gilbert currently has – a 0.54 ERA and a 2.74 FIP. Uh, he leads all American League starters in K to walk ratio with 15, 
a 15K to walk ratio. Nobody else has more than seven in the AL. So uh, his K to walk ratio is more than double the next best in the American League. Of the 47 batted balls he has given up, 17 of them have gone to the opposite field. That is a 36.2% percentage of batted balls going to the opposite field. That is the eighth highest of the 118 pitchers with at least 25 batted balls allowed, that that 36.2% rate. And you might be wondering why um, all of these batted balls are going to the opposite field. Um, he only had a 25% rate last year, so that's an 11% increase. All batted balls to the opposite field against him have a slugging percentage of 294. So when he's getting it to the opposite field, it's efficient. And listen to this. The average pitch velocity on his slider from 2021 to 2022 went from 83.4% to 86.1%. That is nearly a three-mile-an-hour Mi- increase. Miles per, yeah, miles per hour. Yeah. Uh Oh, I said percent. Yeah. yeah. 83.4 miles per hour to 86.1 miles per hour. That is nearly a three mile per hour increase. That's crazy. His changeup. And by the way, these are pitches that he throws like pretty consistently. All, th- all of the ones I'm about to mention. His changeup average velocity went from 79.9 miles per hour to 85.5 miles per hour. That is absurd. That is not like that. I don't know what happened that caused that. That, like, isn't usual. Yeah. I wonder if that's a good thing or a bad thing. <laughs> I mean, I will tell you. Um, and his curveball velocity went from 74.8% to 79.7%. Or er, miles per hour. <laughs> Sorry. I keep saying percent. I'm used to saying percent. But either way, almost a five-mile-an-hour increase on his curveball. Um, and of the 15 batted balls he's had a, on those three pitches, 46.7% of them have gone the other way. Seven out of 15. Um, and that is the second highest rate among the 129 pitchers with at least 10 batted balls on those three specific pitches, slider, changeup, curveball. Wow. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Logan uh, is... Logan Gilbert. Oh, my, this app froze. <laughs> it's unfortunate. Oh, no. Your phone froze entirely. <laughs> the, um, yeah, I got... Logan Gilbert. Um, yeah, uh, he already is a guy who usually has a good strikeout to walk ratio Mm -hmm. and his increase in velocity and his off speed pitches. Very funny because like his fastball velocity is like virtually the same. Yeah. Odd. Yeah. What's his average fastball velocity? Does it say? I can check real quick. I'm not on his page. I'm on Kevin Cosman's page. (laughs) Um, Logan Gilbert. Um, I know it didn't increase much at all from 2021. It went from, I mean, this is only through three starts, so this is probably, I don't know how sustainable it is. Oh, that's pitch percent. That's not what I'm looking at. Um, <laughs> 95.3% to 95.2%. It's the same. 95%, 95 miles an hour. That's what I meant. I keep saying, <laughs> I keep saying percent instead of miles per hour. I need to not do that. Uh, so, yeah. I, so, I guess, yeah. A 95-mile-per-hour fastball to an 85-mile-per-hour changeup. That's a good difference. Yeah. Um, It might be better than, yeah, a 15-mile-per-hour difference because maybe yeah. that's too slow. Because, um, yeah, when when you said the changeup increased 5 miles per hour, I was like, huh. <laughs> he, throw, he throws it 7% of the time in both seasons, so it's not like he's using it a ton, but still, like, that's – it's not like it was like he threw it three times. Right. And he threw it, like, six times. Like, it's a – 
reasonably. He's how many changeups has he thrown this year? Um, nineteen. Like that's a yeah. Like, and that's not like batted balls. That's like every single one is averaging yeah. a significant increase in velocity. Yeah, I know. Eighty-five and a half miles an hour. I know definitely the slider is a is a is a um pitch that pitchers definitely want to be have to have faster, and yeah, change up like change up it depends i guess um yes and then curveball it kind of depends too mm-hmm. um but it's working out for him yeah, 054 era mm-hmm. my player to walk or my player to highlight is um you know we we really went to town on this team last year so it's good to have <laughs> it's good to have a player to hi- you know a how about that for this team um i'm going with jerks and profar who heading into Thursday was hitting 256 with a 1003 OPS. Um, however, he's getting unlucky. Also, he has a 214 BABIP, and his uh, heading into Thursday, his ex woba um, was higher than his woba. Uh, last year, he had a good stri- he had good strikeout and walk rates. Last year, 15.8% strikeout rate and 11.9% walk rate. Um, which are both, you know, stri- the strikeout rate was below average and the walk rate was above average. However, he struggled because of his quality of contact. Uh, last year, he was in the third percentile in average exit velocity. And this year, he is in the 68th percentile. So third percentile to 68th percentile. He has increased his average exit velocity 5.5 miles per hour from 2021 to 2022 so far which is the third largest positive difference out of 176 qualifiers on the uh, year-to-year changes on average exit velocity. Um, Along with that, his barrel rate has gone from 2.7% to 12.5%. And uh, what's funny with Jerks and Profar is he already has as many home runs as he did last year. (laughs) Four. Um, and he played 137 games last year. <laughs> he already has as many, so he's he's definitely making some improvements. Uh, and along with that, he is in the 92nd percentile in chase rate. Um, and uh, and you know at least heading into Thursday, and also heading into Thursday, uh, had a 16.3% walk rate while only having you know a 16.3% strikeout rate. So jerks and pro far seeing the ball well getting some hard contact, barreling up the ball, getting some home runs, and he is my... How about that? Yes, he is. Yeah. Um, I love that, A, you're highlighting a Padre because they had so many slightly alarmings last year. B, I love that you're highlighting Jerickson Profar because that's a guy who, you know, among, like, the nerdy baseball fans like us doesn't have the greatest legacy. Like, yeah. if you think of Jerickson Profar, you think of, oh, remember how good... The Rangers were supposed to be with him. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he was supposed to be. Yeah, yeah like he was. A, he was the. Prospect. He was the consensus number one prospect between Baseball America, MLB Pipeline, and Baseball Prospectus pre twenty thirteen. All three sites had him at number one, and you know didn't exactly work out in Texas. But it's good to see that he might be finding a home in San Diego. Yeah, yeah, um, it's working out uh, so far this year. Um, so now we go from the highs to the lows where we're talking about players or subjects that have been underperforming, uh, in our April 22nd, 2022 edition of, slightly alarming. 
Who do you got for us today? So my slightly alarming is someone who, at this point last season, could have been considered for a how about that. I don't know if we actually used him or not, but I remember him having a very good April. I'm looking at Carson Kelly, who has been struggling for the Diamondbacks. Uh, after going 0-3 tonight against the Nationals, he is slashing 063-118-094-212 for a negative 39 weighted runs created plus. That is the worst among the 258 hitters with at least 30 plate appearances this season. Uh, he is in the first percentile in ex-WOBA, strikeout rate, expected batting average, third percentile in expected slugging, ninth percentile in sprint speed, 13th percentile in walk rate, and 15th percentile in whiff rate. Uh, he's doing just about everything the worst you can really do it. He also has the highest increase from 2021 to 22 in strikeout rate. It has gone up 21.3%, and he has the second highest decrease in walk rate, minus 9.1. Walk rate has almost gone down by double digits. Uh, so he's, you know, he's going in the complete wrong direction in the strikeout-to-walk ratio department. He isn't hitting the ball well, uh, and that's that's Carson Kelly. Carson Kelly. Slightly alarming. Um, my slightly alarming, um, I don't know if it's unfair because he's, he's a rookie, but uh. had some very high expectations. You know, consensus number one prospect in all of baseball. Uh, Bobby Witt Jr., um, so far this season, hitting 146 with a 454 OPS. His expected slugging is in the second percentile, and his expected WOBA is in the first percentile, and also his chase rate is in the fourth percentile. Um and uh, that leads him to having a strikeout rate over 30% and a walk rate of 2.5%. Uh, at least heading, or no, I think I think that includes this Thursday when he actually hit a double. Um, so this is this is kind of it kind of helped them out. Um, but yeah, Bobby Wood Jr. You know, not not a whole lot of numbers. At least you know thus far in the season, sometimes it gets hard to get uh, too analytical, but. Yeah, Bobby Wood Jr. not not the greatest start, um, but I think we've kind of seen that with a lot of. I was rookies. gonna say, like, I, it's not. This is nothing to really get concerned about. Yeah, we call it we call it slightly alarming for a reason, folks. Yes, we do. Um, but Bobby Wood Jr. so far. Slightly alarming. Um. Very slightly. Yeah, much much slight. Uh. So, yeah, that does it for players to highlight, and now we will get into a preview of the week. Weekend. Weekend ahead. That's correct. First time this year. Um, yes, it is the weekend ahead because we, we only did one show last week. Yes, that's correct. And, yeah, I'm uh, looking at some series right now. Um, so, yeah, I usually, I usually talk about series to watch, just general team matchups. Uh, Daniel goes with the day by day matchups uh, with pitchers, you know, pitchers for the most part. Um, and the series I'm looking at fr- Friday through Sunday. Um, there's there's three pretty good ones I would say. Uh, you got Phillies Brewers um, at Citizens Bank Park. Phillies have gotten off to a, a somewhat underwhelming start at five and eight. Um, could potentially turn that around against the defending National League Central champion Brewers. <clears throat> then um, on and then also down in Houston we have a matchup of uh, two of my projected division winners with the 
Houston Astros. Oh my God. <laughs> I saw <laughs> um <laughs> very thrown off. <laughs> Chris, there's a spider behind you. A Cleveland spider. It's below you now. It's on the wall. I don't know where it went, but it was there. Well, as long as it doesn't bother us. <laughs> as long as it's minding its own business. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. There, I see there it. there's the Cleveland spider. <laughs> Chris just stomped on it. No, it's, a, it's not a spider. Oh. It's a oh, it's a looks like a spider. I don't think it's. And no, it's definitely not a spider. It's not behaving like one. It's like flying around on the ceiling and stuff. Um, to give a play-by-play, we're here <laughs> live. It's a been a it's been an interesting couple of se- seconds here. Yeah. In the radio <laughs> studio, we had four people that we know pretty well walk by it's uh 11 55 p.m april yes. 21st 2022 we have a flying spider-like object spider-like, spider-like object Sp- it's like flu-like symptoms yeah <laughs> spider-like spider-like uh insects flying <laughs> around doesn't appear to be poisonous doesn't appear to be really harmful any any form of harmful no. um yeah but uh <laughs> yeah <laughs> um so anyway, um, what was I talking about? <laughs> I was talking about the uh, yeah two teams that I have projected as division winners this year: Houston Astros uh, against the Toronto Blue Jays, who just took two out of three from Boston. Um, yeah, two out of three from Boston, and yeah, so that'll be in Houston. That should be a very good matchup. Two very good lineups going at it, and. Two, I would say, pretty good rotations going at it as well. And then uh, the last series to watch is a series where we didn't appreciate it as much in the second half of last year, but it's still very good competition, and I s- expect you know one of the teams to um, you know do better than they did, especially in the second half of last year. Padres Dodgers. That's going to be a good matchup. Yeah, yep. Um, Any time they faced off, it was a yeah intriguing one. It was very intriguing. Um, especially in the in the first half of the year. So I don't think we should um, expect much different um, this time around. So, you know, if maybe – maybe, I mean, how know, is that – I mean, I guess the Padres were just there last week, but how is that not the Sunday night matchup? I maybe guess probably it, because the Padres were just on it. So it's, yeah, three different time zones. So it's seven. You got you got Phillies Brewers. Oh, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. At, uh, at eight, you got Astros Blue Jays and it. At 9:40, you got Padres Dodgers, but I'm sure that you know some of them will be day games on Saturday and Sunday. Yeah. What's Sunday night baseball this week? Phillies Brewers. Okay, makes sense. Um, day by day matchups. What yeah, do you so got? day by day, uh, we're gonna start with Friday. Uh, you got in Cardinals Reds. You have uh, Steven Matz, who did pretty well last time out against the Brewers, and it's Green Day. It's <laughs> Green Day on the Reds. <laughs> Green Day. I'm colorblind. That's my worst nightmare. Um, Dude, seriously, green pitching for the Reds, like, <laughs> yeah, I, I, that's too much for my color brain. It's very festive. Brain I'll tell you that. Very, <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, you have Jamison Tyon going for the Yankees against the Guardians. You have, I think this is a sneaky good matchup. Like, A, because it's two pitchers that I think are very under the radar, and B, because it's just a rare matchup. Um Rockies versus Tigers. You have Antonio Senzatella facing Tarek Skubal. Right, yeah. Antonio Senzatella, interesting. 
interesting guy, like low strikeout pitch to contact guy, but can be very effective in yeah. Tark Scooball. Very, he's, um, he's emerging. Also, uh, please watch Rockies Tigers this weekend for Miguel Cabrera. Yes. He is at <laughs> 2,999 career hits. That spider has not moved in like three minutes. Yeah, I don't know. It seems to be mining. I said as long as it mines its own I was going to say, it's, it's just vibing. Uh, you have a nice throwback matchup in Red Sox-Rays. You have Michael Waka going against Corey Kluber. Yeah. <laughs> Great um, 2014 matchup. This is a sneaky good matchup as well. Trevor Rogers versus Kyle Wright in Marlins Braves. Kyle Wright was very good in his last start. Kyle Wright looks unrecognizable, like not physically, but pitching wise. Like I didn't know he was his stuff was that good. Yeah, like oh, let me. I want to get his line from his last time out, but uh, computer is not exactly responding right now. Um, and, okay, I'll just say in two starts he's pitched eleven innings, given up. Two earned runs, one walk, 15 strikeouts, no home runs. That is a 1.64 ERA and a 15 strikeout to walk ratio. Uh, that's pretty fantastic. So it looks like the breakout could finally be happening for him. That would be huge for the Braves if it's true. And he's going to be facing Trevor Rogers, who uh, had a very opposite outing his last time out. In Astros Blue Jays, I feel like if anyone else is pitching for the Blue Jays, this would be matchup of the night. But we have Ross Stripling versus Justin Verlander. <laughs> uh, yeah, anyone else that's matchup of the night. Um, in White Sox Twins, you have Michael Kopech versus Bailey Ober, uh, one of my players to watch. Um, in Orioles, it feels weird putting the Orioles on, like an Orioles starter on. Hey, this guy's pitching, but he was very good last time out. Bruce Zimmerman. Uh, shut hmm. down the uh, Nestor Cortez pit had 15 strikeouts, and I believe Bruce Zimmerman ended up being the pitcher on the winning team in that game. <laughs> uh, he will be facing Reed Detmers. Uh, Zach Gallen will be pitching for the Diamondbacks against the Mets. Uh, Julio Arias versus Nick Martinez. I still have to remind myself that Nick Martinez is on a multi-year deal with the Padres. <laughs> a four-year deal. A four-year deal. Absurd. Yeah, more years than Scherzer. I mean, I know the age well, is I mean, different. Yeah. But <laughs> um, Chris Flexen. We'll be pitching for the Mariners against the Royals at home. And matchup of the night comes from Brewers and Phillies in Philadelphia. Freddie Peralta versus Ranger Suarez. Uh, two very different types of effective pitchers. Uh, also, this is just this is just hilarious. Um, in a so Ranger Suarez has four plate appearances versus people currently on the Brewers roster. Do you want to guess his FIP? Uh, is it like it's got to be either like, it's got to be either like, seventeen or like negative three. It's negative sixteen point eight. <laughs> no way. But but the average against is, or the woba against is six eighteen. So it's probably it might be like three strikeouts and a double. Well, it's it's a twenty five percent strikeout rate. So I think it's three hits and a strikeout, <laughs> that are non home runs. Oh, my God. Wow. (laughs) That's funny. Um, Moving into Saturday now, April 23rd, um, you have waiting for Savant to load. (laughs) It is just past midnight here, by the way. It is now officially Friday, so I just announced today's games. I think this this might be the latest we've gone, outside of maybe the history series. Maybe when we did those two. Yeah, we did have some late history series ones, didn't we? Yeah. Anyway, on Saturday, 
You have Alex Wood facing the Nationals in Nats Park. You have Nestor Cortez in his first outing since the fifth or what was it, twelve strikeouts? It was twelve strikeouts, I think. I don't know why I said fifteen. Um I think it was five innings, so maybe the five yeah. got in the head. Yeah. Um, you will have not a lot of great matchups. Might save that one. You have Frankie Montas going for the A's against the Rangers. Uh, they, the A's might, since it's a Saturday game, the A's might get like 5,000 fans. Packed yeah. house at the Coliseum. That would be pretty big. Um, Tyler Molly will be pitching against Dakota Hudson. Unfortunately, it will be in Cincinnati, so he will give up 500 runs. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> this is an interesting matchup. Alec Manoa versus Jose Urquidy. Yeah. Yeah. That's a cool one. I might save that for matchup of the night. Yeah, I'm going to save that for matchup of the night. Uh, in Brewers Phillies, you have Adrian Hauser versus Zach Wheeler. It's very yeah. funny because Zach Wheeler is like the number five guy in their rotation because he was hurt for a little bit yeah. at the end of yeah. spring training. Um, you have you Darvish going against the Dodgers, a lot of unannounced pitchers. Spencer Watkins versus Noah Syndergaard, two guys that did very well their last time out. It's fun, like... At, at the early point of the season where it's like, this guy had one or two good starts, so I have to mention him. But like, yeah. if he had two random good starts in August, I'd still be like, eh. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. It's also going to be Brash Day. Uh, Mariners-Royals in Seattle. Matt Brash will be pitching against Chris Bubich. Matchup of the night comes from Marlins-Braves. Uh, two young guys thrown against each other, Eliza Hernandez and Ian Anderson. Yeah. It's going to be an interesting one just for like two very similar types of young pitchers, same division, guys that could be facing each other for a while to come. Uh, so that will be a fun one. And then on yeah, yeah, Sunday, yeah. the last day of the weekend, um, you will have Tyler Anderson pitching for the Tigers, who's all right. You'll have Shane McClanahan pitching for the Rays against the Red Sox. Logan Webb will be facing the Nationals. Uh, Jesus Lazardo will be facing the Braves in that finale. I don't know what matchup of the night is. Um, I need to real quick. I have not actually taken a close look at this day. None of these matchups really look that. Eh, I guess that. Okay, that's matchup of the night. Um, okay, going forward, uh, Aaron Savali and Garrett Cole will be facing each other in Guardians Yankees. Uh, Adam Wainwright and Nick Lodolo will be facing each other. I'm sure you'll see some stat about how old. Uh, like Nick Lodolo was when Adam Wainwright made his major league debut. Yep. <laughs> um, put it put it in the books. Yeah, put it in the books. Um, Yusei Kikuchi will will be facing Luis Garcia, uh, in the Astros. Yeah. Yeah. Oh Astros, yeah, yeah, yeah. Luis Garcia. Yes. Um, not the uh, Padres reliever or no. National second baseman. No. Um, Justin Steele will be facing the Pirates against JT Brubaker at Wrigley for Pirates Cubs. Um. Tyler McGill and Madison Bumgarner will be facing each other. Interesting. That's matchup of the night. Robbie Ray will be facing the Mar- facing the Royals for the Mariners. Uh, the Sunday night matchup: Eric Lauer versus Aaron Nola. And the matchup of the night comes from Dodgers Padres because we had to get them in there at some point. Clayton Kershaw versus Sean Manaya. Yeah, it's a good matchup. Clayton Kershaw, uh, pro- start for start, probably the best pitcher this year. Um, forty-seven percent K minus walk rate. <laughs> no, wow. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty wild. Yeah. Um, uh, when does Roki Sasaki pitch? <laughs> oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Outside of Major League Baseball, Roki Sasaki. Uh, when does the next time he pitches? I don't know if it's I don't know if it's listed anywhere, but he hasn't given up a base runner yet, so that's pretty cool. In seventeen innings pitched. Right, right. 
Um, so yeah, I think that's that's everything from me. Sounds good. Uh, we hope you enjoyed this one. If you want to follow us on social media, follow me on Twitter at Chris underscore Gianta. Follow Daniel on both Twitter and Instagram at Daniel underscore Curran, and follow the show Instagram at Above Replacement Radio for all the show needs. We hope you enjoyed this one. It was I, I liked it. It was pretty tangent based. It was. We went. We talked about Jim Levy. Yeah, we went pretty all over. The, you know, it's good when we're talking about the 1933 St. Louis Browns. Hundred um, percent. You know, we're going in the correct direction. Uh, so we hope you enjoyed this one, and we hope to see you next time, probably Monday. Um, yeah, probably Monday. Uh, probably. Where we will be talking all the happenings in Major League Baseball once again. See you then. That spider still hasn't moved. This conversation. This conversation is over. Is over.